Hey guys. Uh, I thank you all for your prayers. I did. If you hadn't heard the news, I had my uh, one-year cancer checkup, and I'm clean so far. So. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. It's, it's scary. You know, it's been scary because I've got to go. They don't call you in the clear till it's five years is through, so every six months I've got to go in, but... Um, I felt really encouraged by your love and your prayers, so God's been good to me. Tonight, I want to teach on healthy helping. Healthy helping, and that's not like a helping of food, nice healthy helping. <laughs> I was thinking, wow, that kind of sounds like it's something else, healthy helping. Um, this is something I feel like God recently has given me a gigantic wake-up call. I had way more to learn than I thought. It's kind of, this is an area I thought I had, well, I have grown a lot in. Um, I thought I, I probably, I think I was, thought I was further down the trail than I was. So it's been a big surprise to me. Um, my pattern through my life has been I've I've had a pattern of codependency where I in my relationships through my life where I've related in a way of thinking I could do everything like I I'll just carry the load do everything um, if I just love somebody enough you know like in my past relationships they'll love me back that kind of thing um, and so I've grown a lot, because this was major league out of control part of my life. But I've recently, you know, as I've been, one of the things that I've been praying for regularly, you know, has been for God to show me things that I'm not seeing. You know, I, I spend time seeking the Lord in prayer and inviting God to say, I want to see what, what is it I'm not seeing, Lord? You know, I want to see where I'm blind. I want to see where I still need to grow. Um... I want to be aggressive about my growth and my healing. I don't want to let, you know, things. I want to, you know, um, I want to keep, the Bible talks about pruning, that the Lord prunes you, which is cutting off the, the crap, basically. You know, like, you know, on a, on a plant, you know, they, like, when you prune something, you're cutting off the unnecessary, you know, branches and things like that so that that plant can grow even, you know, better and healthier and stronger. Uh, and so when you prune something, like in rose bushes, you prune them back really hard, you know, you really prune big time, and then the next year they just blossom and do amazing things. So I feel um, like, I, for me, I have a, I'm very motivated to keep pruning, you know, and to keep that up in my life, and so this is something that I feel like God's really brought to the forefront for me because... I've, I have a desire to help. I have a desire to serve. I've been passionate about that. Um, I feel so thankful for what God's done for me that I get very excited about the idea of giving that to others. And there is a, this really is real for me that I care so desperately that others receive what I have received for healing, that I would go to any length in my heart if it would work. I would go to any length to have people 
taste what I've tasted as far as God's healing and, and, you know, there's nothing I wouldn't give, there's nothing I wouldn't do. And, and I feel like one of the things God's given me is a desire where I care very deeply, you know. And I feel like God's also given me the ability to see what the possibilities are for people. That that's a part of my vision. When I see people, I see what could be, you know, as far as where, you know, God would like to have people to go. So I have been with that because I get a picture sometimes of where I believe God's put it on my heart to see, you know, because I think this is how God looks at us, is he has, he sees each of us and he sees the potential and sees what could be and God fights for that for us, you know, and God wants to take us to whatever the fullness and richness of what life could be for each of us. And it's different for each person, you know, based on your gifts and your strengths and your interest and your desires and all of that. Um, and God fights for that. But what I've found is that what I've noticed lately, it's been kind of shocking in some ways, that oftentimes I've been in a place where I am wanting to do it all you know, where I get, like, so excited for what could be that that other person could care less, and I'm, like, fighting, 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 pouring in, pouring in, and it's not even, and where it's been shocking to me to see how not helpful it is, how, and, and that, you know, and I, and so that's kind of ridiculous, because if my goal is to love and to help, you know, and I'm doing so much that it's actually not helpful, then I'm, you know, I'm not being as loving or as helpful as I would like to be. So this particular, it was kind of a, in God's irony, that in, we have been doing a series where we're just kind of going through the books of the Bible in the New Testament and the church epistles, and we just so happen to be on Galatians 6, which you may turn there. Um, Because my guess is probably a lot of you guys have, I'm not alone, I'm thinking. You know, a lot of you guys have probably cared very much and wanted to help somebody that you loved, right? And has it ever been confusing to you about how much to help? You know, where you want to help, um, but it's been a little confusing. And so, you know, it's God's got some cool stuff in, in the scriptures about this. In Galatians 6, in verse 1, it says, Brothers, If someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you may be, or you also may be tempted. Now I want to kind of break this down because this little section I'm telling you that we're going to go through, I'm going to kind of break it down, but for one, it talks about if someone is caught and you get the, the idea (laughs) of being, uh, you know, sin, sin is anything, um, Anything that is not according to the will of God is really something that is a prison, the Bible says. There's nothing. If you do something that's not according to God's will, it's not going to feel like freedom. It's going to feel like a prison. <laughs> you know, there's, there's no, you know, God doesn't just make up rules just to make up rules so, you know, he can control us. So if we have somebody that we care about that is caught in a sin, anything, you know, whatever it is, it says you who are spiritual... The goal is to restore him gently, and that gent that uh, that actually the word in the King James it says to restore with meekness, and the word to restore is to mend something. 
it's, it's, it's almost like setting bones that have been broken back in place. And then that, so it's the restoring him gently or with the spirit of meekness it talks about in the King James. And then it says, but watch yourselves, or actually, and again, King James, I kind of like the wording on this whole section, and it kind of seems like it fits actually a little bit better with, uh, if you look at the Greek, it says, but consider yourselves is how the King James reads, or you might be, or you may be tempted. So it's kind of interesting because one of the things that, there's a few, there's a few principles here is for one, that our job is, if somebody's sinning, our job is to help them to get back on track. It's, it's not just, you know, that, and so what does that take to, get, to help somebody get back when something's been broken? What are some of the things that it takes to get, back some, to get somebody back on track? Listening? Therapy. <laughs> Therapy. <laughs> Prayer. Sweat. Speaking up, that's usually the, one of the later ones that we think about. I'm telling you, you can love somebody all you want and nothing's going to change. You cannot help somebody be restored by just pouring love on and magically. I've wished that it would work that way. It's way more comfortable. I've, I've often spent years just going, I just pour, pour enough love on, you know, and they'll magically get better. If we want to restore somebody or bring somebody back together, are putting two bones that have been split back together usually comfortable? It's usually not. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a paramedic or anything, but I'm thinking it's not the most comfortable process. But um, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Usually, if you're trying to help somebody get back on track when they're off track, it involves discomfort. It, you know, it involves some, some less comfortable things. Yes, love is involved. But I think typically we tend towards the other way of just wanting to validate, caretake. This has been my error, you know, and not doing the things that are less comfortable um, in restoring somebody in that. Um, and then it's interesting because it says that they should restore that person with the spirit of meekness. What would that be as far as if you're trying to help somebody get back together in the spirit of meekness? And then it says, but consider yourself. Or you may also be tempted. One of the things that I feel like, and you're going to see it more as the context develops, but there's different ways, there's different ways to help somebody and one of the things I know have you ever been in the place of helping where you're the advice giver you know where or maybe had somebody do it to you let me tell you how to do that Sonny let me tell you from the place of having it all figured out you know I really think that when we're trying to restore somebody we want to be in the spirit of meekness and consider ourselves like one of the keys in helping is getting it that we are all in this together. I have to say, with, with all my heart, that one of the things that helps me to grow and heal is been that whenever I'm doing ministry or helping, I'm constantly looking at my own crap. You want to be in that place of not going, I've got it all figured out, let me explain it to you how it's going to go. You know, let me show you the path you know, or whatever. And it's not like, the truth is, is as you heal in things, there might be some things that we have figured out. 
But there's a difference in the fact that when you, I know for me, like I have related differently. There was a time, um, actually it was really my last what I call crash and burn. Crash, I call crash and burn moments, moments in my life that were bottoms and felt like, ugh, I've just, I have not been pruning for a while. So it got, grew wild and out of control. And so it's just, uh, and then it becomes humiliating to make the changes because I'm disgusted with how far off track I've gotten. Well, my last crash and burn um, was a more subtle one than, than the, the ones in most of my history, but it was six years ago. And it came from me kind of experiencing success in business, success in ministry, you know, had people kissing my butt all over the place. And so I had gone through a lot of work and a lot of healing to change these major hideous behaviors in my life to have it be like, wow, my life's on track and it's doing well and it's fruitful. But I started relating in a way of, let me tell you how to do it, Sonny. You know, where it got to be where I wasn't working on my stuff anymore. You know, I always kind of had that I've arrived mentality. You know, I'm good now. You know, um, everybody's you know, respects me and blah, blah, blah. And my heart really shifted. And so I think here that what we want to be is if we are helping someone, we want to be in the place that we are, as John Townsend's always talking about, you know, cleaning your own cup. That we're always working on it. And, you know, whether it's relating. Like, I, I'm constantly, like, seeing crap in my life when I'm talking to somebody else because one of the things is, like, if you see something in somebody and you're looking at where it lives inside of you too, you start, you start cleaning that stuff up faster. Do you know what I'm saying? You start attacking it and getting into it because it might be that they have the beam in their eye and you've got the little piece. But if you're looking for the little speck, it doesn't turn into a beam. You know, in that parable, you know, Jesus says, why are you trying to get the, te- you know, the, the little speck out of your friend's eye and you've got a big telephone pole in your eye? You know, let, let me help you out, brother. Let me help you out. And, you know, and you're, seeing the, you're not seeing the telephone pole in your own eye. But if you're doing the thing where somebody does have a telephone pole, but you're constantly looking back at you, you're going to be get, keeping those specks out of there. You know, you keep taking the specks out. So you keep the pruning process up. It keeps your heart soft, and you have a sense of relating to life where we're all in this together. There is no, there's no such thing as I've arrived, you know. Uh, we're all working on this stuff together. You know, all, it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They were owning things on a regular basis. You know, it's not, wherever it is, we're owning our faults, we're owning our weaknesses, we're owning our screw-ups, we're, you know, not blame-shifting, etc. It says, so restore him, or mend, or restore in a spirit of meekness, but, but consider yourselves, or you may also be tempted. And then in verse 2, it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I want to look at, because this is going to be interesting, because we're going to see this word burden come up in two different ways, and there are two different Greek words for burden. In verse 2, the word uh, burden is baros, and what that means is it means, it's, it's, if you look at this, it means heaviness or weight, So if you look at that, because this is very different from the next word burden that we're going to talk about. So we want to carry each other's burdens, each other's weight. Now, so we have one principle in here 
is that we see over and over again through scripture that we need one another. We are not to do it alone. That has never been the will of God. I'm going up on a mountaintop, just me and God. I don't need nobody. I'm fine. That's never been the will of God. God set things up that we need one another for all growth and healing, that it's like you need the combination of God and other people. And that was shocking to me, I'm telling you, because I was always a lone wolf. I mean, it was just, this was a huge life change for me to get to the place that I was seeking out and having others to be there for me. But when it talks about the, what we're supposed to carry, it says that we're supposed to carry each other's weight, that we're supposed to help with the weight. It's not actually the burden. We're going to see that there's another word burden that actually means burden itself. This is saying we're supposed to help out with the weight of what somebody's burden is, not the actual burden, because you'll see when you see the, the next word. So think about, it says, in this way we will fulfill the law of Christ, which is, you know, the... Um, the law is like the custom or the command of Christ if we help one another. It is the will of Christ that we help one another with the things that, that the, with the burdens that we carry. It says, now, in verse 3, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So in this, again, in the context of it, you think about it, what would be the context of thinking you're something when you're nothing? I think in this context, it's, let me tell you how it's done, Sonny. Do you know what I mean? Like, people do come off that way, don't they? You know, I, I got, you know. And so he's saying, you know, it's really like if you're relating to yourself in that sort of superior kind of way, you're deceiving yourself. Uh, it, it says in verse 4, each one should test his own actions, or the word test is the word scrutinize his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. So you see another part, because a lot of this, this is the whole section is relating to how we relate to our responsibility, how we relate to others. It's saying we should be constantly looking at our own actions and behaviors and scrutinizing them and putting them to the test. We should be in a constant place of examining our own stuff. And not in a way that, and it's, and the way that we're looking at it should be in where we need to grow, not in a comparing way. Our growth is not con conditioned or dependent upon how somebody else's growth is doing in that, in the sense of each one of us has got to work on the stuff that we got to work on in front of us. So it's, again, it doesn't go this way where it's like, um, where you're like, well, that, that whole parable where you're like, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. I'm doing okay. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not, my problems are not that bad. Do you know, that's, not, that's never, ever the will of God. That our growth and what we've got to work on has got to do with scrutinizing our own thing. And everybody's on the path. It doesn't really matter. All any of us can be doing is on, get on the path. My therapist told me that when I got, had my crash and burn six years ago. I was like, oh, I feel like I'm never going to get back on track. And she goes, honey, all we can do is get on the path. You're on the path. You're back on the path. You know, sometimes we're not on the path. But if we're not, just get the heck back on the path. That's all we can do is just, you know, get back on there and move one step in front of another. We're either, are we on the path? We're not on the path. Um, but it's not about, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. There's no value in the comparison thing. 
You know, it's again getting the sense that we're all in this together. It says, uh, okay, in verse five. Now, doesn't this sound like a contradiction? For each one should carry his own load. Actually, it's uh, now. Oh, it says load in this version. Um, load and burden. But anyway, let me tell you the difference between the two words. So one was we should, we should carry each other's burdens, but it's not really the word burden. It's carry each other's heaviness, help each other with the heaviness. But then here we see it looks like a contradiction. Each one should carry his own load. Now that load in verse 5 is actually the... Uh, the, the, the word uh, fortian, which is, it actually means, that, that word means, um, is, is actually like the, the burden, the thing that pertains to yourself. It's actually speaking about your own responsibility. The things that, um, uh, it really is the, the word burden, and it's his own. So that word his own is the word pertaining to oneself. So every basically, whatever people got to deal with, they got they got to carry their load. There's no such thing as the world rallies and carries another person's load. It does not work, and we're going to see it even as this this whole section of scripture plays out more this way. You cannot let somebody else escape their responsibility. There is no version of reality that's going to work like that. And I've tried it, guys. You know how I've related to this in this way? Of here, oh, you don't, you're having a hard time. I'll carry your load. And then if I ask somebody, I've even done this, ask somebody to help with the burden of their load, mind you, that I'm trying to carry. And it's almost like I, I got this picture. I was just like where I'm going, oh, can you help? And they put a finger up and go, mm, too heavy, don't like it, too uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, poor you. Here, that's okay. Don't worry about it. I'll carry the load. Have you ever felt like that? I'm telling you, it's not, there is no place that that's going to work. It's not helpful. It's not anything. So our responsibility is to acknowledge the fact that each person has to carry their load. They have to do, they have to deal with the fact that their own stuff is their own stuff. It's not somebody else's stuff. So all we're able to do in it, if you're doing most of the work, it's, which I've done. I've done where I'm doing 95% of the stuff, like all this energy, and they, somebody could care less. They're not, carrying a load is not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be difficult. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to be a challenge. If you're not uncomfortable, you're not carrying the load. You know, and all we are, can do is help a little bit with the heaviness of it. So what would it look like to have, you know, when it, when it says that each person has to carry their load, it means holding people to accountability for their decisions and choices, not letting people blame shift, not letting people get out of the responsibility of their part. We're all about grieving this church. We're all about let's talk about grieving and talk about that. But that doesn't get you off the hook. I don't care. You're grown-ups. You're not little babies. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. It's just sort of like it happened. You're a kid. But what's happening now and how the choices that, you, that all of us play out now are our choices as grown-up people. So it's one thing to be sad and to grieve, which is good. But if that's all that we do and spend the time with that and don't say, I'm responsible for how I behave in the decisions and actions. I'm, you know, I, I was sexually abused as a kid. 
But the way that I acted out from that as far as my promiscuity and all those things that I did, that's my, that's my fault. I'm a grown, I was a grown-ass woman. Sorry. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, you know, it's just like, I'm sorry, I'm not a little kid anymore. So it's uncomfortable to change behavior. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. If you're interrupting an addiction in order to help somebody do that, you know, it takes structure. It takes being uncomfortable. It's not going to feel good. It's going to, you know, there's a lot of stuff to interrupting addictive cycles. You know, you cannot do it comfortably. You cannot do it pain-free. So our job, that's just one example, for instance. And so you run into things like, for instance, if it takes structure, people are like, I don't want structure. I feel controlled. Then you're going to have fun. Have your addiction. Don't, you know, I, we could talk all you want. It's not going to stop anything. You know, it's not like we rally people around and just, you know, love, love people enough and then things magically get better. That's ridiculous. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work. It's not what the Bible says. So we really want to be looking at if somebody wants help, who's doing most of the work, you or them? Who's putting in most of the energy, most of the effort, that kind of thing? (sighs) Big difference between the, you know, we don't want to, there's no such thing as getting somebody else off the hook. It's not really helping, it's enabling. It's not even loving. And you know what's funny is I've looked back to, Oh, another thing, you know, I was just thinking about, I've looked back at where, because I've gotten confused about this because I think, I get confused too because I think of the, I believe in the love of God and I believe in unconditional love, but you can be unconditionally loving and have condition, you know, can have like conditions for what you give. You can love unconditionally, but say, I'm not just going to give you whatever. Honestly, even if it's time. You know, if somebody's not, like, for instance, if um, in order to grow you, there's, it takes doing things like keeping, making commitments and keeping promises and things like that. Somebody's not willing to do that. They're not, they don't really want any help. You know, if people are, you know, it just, it turns out that you're, we caretake and all of those kinds of things. Um, You know, and it's funny because I was looking back at my business versus um, the way I relate in church. This is just recent, guys. This is just shocking to me. I am so much better at holding people to account in my business. I don't got a problem with that. I know if people don't hold their own weight and, and take responsibility, they're not going to go anywhere. And I'm, I'm tough with that. And people get that I care about them. My student, I'm an acting teacher, and, and I'm tough, but people get that I care. But I'm so much cleaner and clearer with that of telling, I don't let people lie to themselves, deceive themselves. I'm like, that's ridiculous. That's not going to work. You're not going to go anywhere. That's stupid. You're not even working anything. You're not going to get anywhere. Stupid. What are you giving me checks for? Just go someplace else. Like, you know, and they're paying me. They're paying me. And I have an easier time when money could go away when I say things like that. I have an easier time saying, this is not going to work. This is ridiculous. This is stupid. Blah, blah, blah. And that's why it works. And honestly, that's why Things are, that's why people are doing well. And I'm not doing, and I'm shocked and ashamed and embarrassed and mad at myself. I feel like such a dummy right now, you would not believe. I'm, I'm going, how have I gone this far in this church and still functioned in a way that I'm not 
expecting anything. I'm not asking, you know, like I, I don't have any standards for anybody. I'm just like, here, I'll do it all, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah, it doesn't work. When I look back at all the times I've done that in ministry, it's had zero fruit. It's done nothing. I can, sh- I can tell you, every person that I've done that with, their lives are completely unchanged, same place, same stuck. I've spent years with people, guys, years and countless thousands of hours and de- with people whose lives are a mess today because I somehow thought I pour enough love in. I feel so stupid right now, and not because I feel taken advantage, because I don't care. I don't feel taken advantage of in that way. I really don't. It would have been great if it worked. Or even if it had a chance, you know what? If it had a chance of working, it would have been worth it. But you know what? What's stupid is what I didn't realize, it doesn't even have a chance of working. That's the dumb part. I was thinking, this is worth the investment. You know, this is worth it. Because even if there's a chance that it could help. But it, if you don't have people carry their own burdens, it's got a zippity doodah chance of helping. We are just... Fooling ourselves. We're all fooling ourselves. It's not loving. You're not loving you. You're not loving them. I want to love people for real. I want people to see real healing, real change, real deliverance. And if that means me speaking up sometimes and people get mad at me, that's what I'd rather risk. I'd rather risk something that has a chance of working, that has a chance of healing, that has a chance of succeeding. I'm willing to give it. I'm not stingy. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not. Uh, whatever. Uh, it's just like if this could actually heal somebody's life. You know, I've, if it could work that I could do everything and change people's lives that I care about, I would so do it in just uh, like easy, like not even, a, not even a question. But this is not scriptural. Um, it says in verse 6, This is another really hard one. Verse 6 says, Anyone who receives instructions in the word must share all good things with his instructor. I've even had a hard time asking people to pray for me. Thinking that I'm burdening people too much. God, I feel ridiculous that that's been my thinking. I feel ridiculous that I'm a minister. And it was shocking to me when Mags talked about praying for me. And I was like, uh, you know, during the ambassador training, I was just like, I don't ask for that. I don't. I mean, I asked for the cancer, but, you know, okay. So when, you know, what, I got to wait to get cancer to ask anybody to pray for me? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, really? Gosh. The Bible says all the time that we're supposed to give to the people that minister to us. But I've had a thing like, oh, no, people shouldn't give to me. Jeez. I'm not even serving people by teaching that kind of message. I'm teaching people not to give. Man, I'm not teaching the right stuff, guys. I'm not. And the Bible says this all the time. There's tons of verses. I don't teach them. There's a lot of verses. I've realized it's been hard because I think I'm asking too much. But I'm not really blessing people. Verse 17, I mean 7, says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
It says, when you try and take somebody else's burden, when you try and carry the load, what you do is you, Henry Cloud and John Townsend talk about this. There's a law of sowing and reaping. It's a principle of life. It's a principle whether it's a seed. You put an apple seed in the ground, you know, you get an apple tree. Whatever you plant, it comes back to you and and multiplied back. And, you know, the Bible talks all the time about this in, in the terms of giving. Whatever it is that we give or that we sow or that we plant is multiplied back to us. What happens is, is that your life, you, you can't fool anybody in a way, not long term. You will know, the Bible says you'll know a tree by its fruit. People can say that they're doing all these right things and good things, but if there's not fruit in their life, it's not reality. You can know by how, what's the fruit in somebody's life, what's, you know, what's being demonstrated here. You know, but what happens is when we carry, when we try and carry somebody else's burdens, we interrupt the cycle. Cloud and Townsend talk about this, so that people aren't reaping what they sow. And that is spreading a lie. And it's helping people to think, oh, I can sow a bunch of crap and I'm going to get great stuff back and people are still going to kiss my butt and do all kinds of things for me. I can sow anything. I can plant anything. And it'll all be fine. You know, we interrupt that from people reaping what they're planting. And I've done it plenty of times where what it does is it just keeps people out of reality longer from reaping the consequences of what what they're planting, what they're sowing kind of thing. It's a law of life. You just look. Look at the fruit. Look at, you know, of people's lives. What's it look like? The other thing, too, that we see here. You can, it, it works negative and positive. You can plant garbage and you're going to get garbage back. You can plant good stuff and you're going to get good stuff back. But I think also in this is, you know, it's just sort of that we've all got to give. You know, and you can, You know, it's think about what kind of fruit do you want in your life. Then you've got to give it. You want something in your life, you've got to give it. Again, part of the thing of if you want growth and healing and you're not giving, it's not going to happen. I was thinking about this because I think, too, I think in some ways we have somewhat of a self-centered church. You know, I've felt a lot of pride in our church, thought our church is awesome. There's a lot of great things about it. But I have... Uh, unfortunately, and I'm ashamed about it, is that because of my own stuff of not asking very much from people, we have people that, you know, that are very like me, me, me. What about my needs? What about my needs? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't feel like it. And I'm sorry, it's not going to bless you. Like, our lives bear fruit by what we give. (sighs) It's a, it's a law of God. If you're feeling needy and you're not giving, you're going to feel needier. If all you do is spend all week thinking about, what about my needs? How am I going to feel good? Blah, blah, blah. You will feel emptier and needier. There will be a big old vacuum. You will. You feel bad for yourself and it's a cycle and you feel more, oh, poor me, poor me. I feel crappy and whatever. I'm telling you, you want to get blessed, give. And that doesn't mean just validating your friends and, you know, like... <laughs> Gosh, somehow that's not giving. 
We just have a little club where we just tell each other nice things and all of our friends and stay insular and don't reach out to anybody or get uncomfortable. You're not, there's no blessing in that. Nobody's going to grow. Nobody's going to get healed. Nobody's going to get sit free or delivered. God's, you know, it's just sort of, you're going to see the power of God. And you're going to see faith by wanting to be there for others, wanting to make a difference, wanting to sow. You know, it should be, you know, it's just, that's going to multiply back what you need. I'm not saying never get your needs met, but it should be kind of proportioned the other, the other way. You know, you, once, you know, I don't know, once a week you've got a problem, call somebody, and then five days a week you're seeing how you could bless somebody. It should look more like that, not the other way around. Five days a week you're calling somebody about you, and then once in a great while you call and reach out to somebody else, you know, kind of thing. You're going to reap what you sow. What, you want a lot of something, give a lot of it. You know, well, however it is that you, you know, that you want, it's, you're going to see God work. You're going to hear the voice of God. Your faith is going to soar. You're going to see your life change. It says, I mean, right here, we'll just keep reading. It says in verse 8, the one who sows to please his sinful nature, if you're sowing to please yourself an immediate gratification, if that's what you're planting, I want to feel good, I want to feel good now. If you're planting that, guess what you get? You get destruction. I, I'm telling you, it will, that's how it's going to be. Your life, it's just going to get worse. Immediate gratification. If you live for immediate gratification and feeling good now, it will lead to destruction and there's not another option. There's no con- some other alternative universe that you don't get destruction. Immediate gratification, if that's what you're sowing, if that's what you're planting, if that's what you're living for, that's, the Bible says it, I've seen it. I've never seen this not work this way. Give me one example. Think right now in your brain of where immediate gratification has not led to destruction. It's a formula. If that's what you're planting. For that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit... From the spirit will reap everlasting life. I'm telling you, you plant spiritual things, it breeds life that lives on and on and on. It's life-giving. You want to feel not empty inside? That's where you want to sow. You want to plant where you want to give. It's life-giving. It wakes you up. It makes you feel alive. It has purpose in life. You go, I see God. I'm electrified. It says in verse 9, let us not become weary or tired in doing good. (laughs) Let's not give up. Let's not. It says, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we what? Do not give up. I'm telling you, you don't plant a seed and get upset that tomorrow it didn't sprout. (laughs) Where's my apple tree? I put that seed in yesterday. No apple tree. What's the matter? This didn't work. It didn't work. There's no tree. I pu- I, God asked me to give up my seed, and I gave up that seed, and it was really hard to give up that seed. Where's my tree? I, it, again, it doesn't work that way. God does not work that way. It says, it says, 
Let us not become weary in doing good, if we're doing good stuff, because at the proper time, when it's time, we're going to reap a harvest if we don't give up. If we give up and walk away and go, see, it didn't work. There won't be any harvest, guys. I don't care. There's not going to be any harvest. You tried something for a few days or a few weeks or whatever, a month or two, and you're wondering where your tree is, and you walk away, you're not getting anything. And you're like, yeah, that didn't work. (laughs) You know? I'm telling you, that's immediate gratification. That's not sowing. That's not planting anything. The harvest comes in not giving up and in sowing the good stuff. You have to be willing. What do you want to plant? What are you planting? You know? Because planting, you got to give something up, right? You can't hoard all your seeds. And then <laughs> uh, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those to, who belong to the family of believers. You know, and then the rest of the stuff talks about, like, you know, the circumcision again and not just trying to do things that are about what you look like on the outside because that's basically for, it's ridiculous. It's, it's a waste of time if... We can't live our lives that it's about appearances and people-pleasing and how things look to other people. I would just want to, gosh, I just, I want, I want everybody to have life. I, I think God does too. I think God wants us all to be blessed and to feel fulfilled and to, be f- to feel purposeful. I believe that life does feel absolutely empty without without the pursuit of God, without giving, and without wanting to make a difference. If all we're doing is staying in our own little insular cloud, uh, crowd and slapping each other on the back and saying how great we are and, oh, that's too bad, that's too bad, feel sorry for you, or whatever. It's not, part of this is, is we want to help people to, it says, the Bible says, to spur each other on to love and good works. If people aren't bearing fruit, let's, you know, Let's stop being deceitful and just trying to feel good all the time, and let's help each other to grow. I want you guys, if you see me right now, I am committed to interrupting this in my life of caretaking and trying to, you know, carry the load that's not my load. I have not blessed people when I've done that, and I invite you. I want feedback. Please tell me. If you see me doing it, slap me upside the head because I need some straightening out right now. But I'm committed to changing this because I want, I believe, for instance, even as a church, I saw like the dating workshop, we had, the, we had all these new people, many non-Christian people, people went away, blown away going, wow, this is, I never even heard anything like this stuff before. We have as a church a specific calling in helping people in healing, in relationships, but we're, but if we are in a place that we are not getting uncomfortable, where we're not speaking up and doing feedback, then we're just going to stay stuck. I think what happens is, you know, people come in and go, this is great, I get to be honest, I get to talk about my feelings, and if that's all that it goes and there's no ownership or discomfort or whatever, it's great to be open, but that by itself is not going to get change happening. 
You gotta stretch, you gotta be uncomfortable. We have to do that for one another. We gotta speak up to one another in helping, in things that we're not seeing. I need you guys to speak up to me on this stuff. This is shocking to me that I've been so off track on some of this. I'm like, wow, well, I've been praying for God to show me stuff. I'm like, and I feel like we here have something to give. Every church has got a specialty and a ministry of how they can make a difference. We do have a huge opportunity to pass on healing in a very unique way. We can make a difference, but it's not going to, we're not going to be blessed. I'm telling you, I've never met somebody happy that's not giving. I've never met anybody's life that is fulfilled and blessed and happy who is not giving. Pick, pick, think about it right now. Think, I, I can name any people. I don't care if you got a lot of money. There's lots of people with a lot of money, and they're miserable. It's not about that. You want a life that you feel electrified and excited and invigorated, that you wake up every day, and you're like, praise God, I love my life. It's because you're making a difference. Because you're seeing God Almighty work and because your life has impact and each one of you is called uniquely to help and to serve and to make a difference. God has enabled you and your gifts and your talents and your abilities to do something much bigger than you. I'm telling you, you can sit there all day and feel good and it's, still gonna, it's just going to feel emptier and emptier. <sighs> Hallelujah, praise God. Let's do this, eh? Yeah. <laughs> okay uh amen so i think we got do we have some uh announcements or offering oh uh pray and bless the offering uh speaking of giving heavenly father i know i have seen great healing in this category of my life and even financially in a way that we, I just feel alive and giving, and even in finances, that this is just an area that's such a blessing. It was also such a blessing being able to spend time with Eddie and hearing how much you've blessed him in this. And um, God, I know that it's your desire and your will to provide and to, for all of us. And so I ask you just to bless this offering and to help our faith in giving. Help us all to really grow, to really trust you more and more. And so I lift this to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>